This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club. I've inconvenienced you. You've inconvenienced it greatly. I wanted to get going one hour ago. One hour ago. I have to get up early tomorrow and run uh, ungodly distance. Um, hey, uh, we read a book today, my man. Yep. It's uh, No Fuss, No Muss this week. You know what? It's No Fuss, No Muss this week because it's California casual, but 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 it was kind of a lot of fuss and kind of a lot of muss. A lot of fuss, a lot of muss. Are we doing We Heart Kids Club Club today? Yeah, should we just get right into it? Or are we doing Babysitter's Club? Because unlike last time, yeah. there was plenty of Babysitter's Stony Brook, Connecticut action in this book. I mean, we can try and hedge our bets. We can do Babysitter's Club and then have our correspondence. We'd Lord and Hashpipe? We'd Lord and Hashpipe. My name is Tanner Lord. Tanner Lord. Oof, didn't like that. Um, My name is Weed Tanner. <laughs> My name is Hashjack. Hashjack, that's cool. No, it's not. Um... Hey, surfs up, babies and gentlemen. Surfs up, babies and gentlemen. Welcome to the We Heart Kids Club Club. Club. With me, Half Pipe. And me, Weed Lord. No fuss, no muss, no rules. Just right. Just right. Let's it's go out back tonight. Surf's up. Surf's up. Surf's up. Cowabunga. Uh, ride that Half Pipe. <laughs> Welcome to the Big Easy. Yeah, because it's a podcast where the Half Pipe and Weed Lord discuss the classic novels of Nola Thacker. In the great We Heart Kids Club series about the We Heart Kids Club, starring your friends, Sunny, Maggie, Jill, Dawn, and... The newest member... Honorary Babysitter, Whitney. Um, do you want to do, you do a um, BSCC intro as well, just for good measure? Just take a run at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hi, hi. Hi, hi. And welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, a podcast. Whoa, what? You're way off. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club, Club, a podcast in which I, Jack Shepard. And I'm Tiana Greenring. No, come on, man. (laughs) Come on. Did you do that to (laughs) really? A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard... And I, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic novels of The Princess of the Prince of Towns, Soul Skinner, Stormborn, Stormwalker, Sanctified, Primark, Primark, Time Lady. Ugh, I hate Time Lady. Look, it just sounds like, it doesn't sound like a thing. It sounds like a lady who tells you the time. Well, it's what we have. Anything else. What's uh, a better honorific for women? Time like, Mistress. Female listeners... Get off your asses and come up with a good... (laughs) Good, that'll get him. Anyway, the most important part we have not yet gotten to, which is that her name is Annabelle Matthews Martin 
first of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind. And we talk about her great sitter cycle. Uh, this week, we read a book called Dawn and Whitney. Dawn and Whitney. Friends Forever. Um, it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. I enjoyed it. It was kind of all over the shop. Yeah, Nola was bobbing and weaving this week. She was bobbing and weaving. It was from uh, Nola Thacker, who has really come into her own recently. Yep. Uh, she ain't no Nola Thack girl. Yep. Um, I'm having a Thack attack. And the Thack attack is back, Jack. The Thack is back. This week she tried her hand yeah. at a very special episode. Yeah, that's fair to say. But she didn't go overboard with it. No, she treated it with respect. She treated it with dignity. She decided not to hammer at it like previous Babysitter's Club writers have. It wasn't just one note. No. I might even go so far as to say, to stretch this metaphor, that it was so many notes uh, that it became a touch discordant. It was somewhat like a Penderevsky symphony, (sighs) if you will. (laughs) Worm is turned on Nola Thacker, huh? (laughs) Yeah. Previous Nola Thacker Stan over here, Jack <laughs> Shepard, yeah. is now a Nola Thacker, I don't know what the opposite of a Stan is. Critic? Critic. With your host, Jack Shepard, America's favorite Nola Thacker critic. And your host, Tanner Greenring, America's favorite Peter Lorangis and Anna M. Martin critic. This is our job here on this podcast is we, um, we criticize these books. We don't criticize them, we honor them. We take them into ourselves. Yeah. We put them into ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we gestate. Yeah. And then we birth mind babies together. Yeah. That's beautiful. We do a brain bang. Mm-hmm. 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 You put your... My brain batter. Brain, brain batter. Mm-hmm. On we your put, brain. We mix our brain batters mm-hmm. together. Yep. And 45 minutes to an hour later... Out comes a brain baby. Have, birth to a beautiful brain baby and listen as you're discovering this week baby nation a brain babies come in all shapes and sizes <laughs> sometimes they're beautiful sometimes they're ugly sometimes they come out screaming sometimes you want to build a labyrinth to keep them because <laughs> yeah. they come out unholy abominations yeah um Tanner, how do you think we're going to get out of this metaphor and into this book? This week, <laughs> we read Dawn and Whitney, Best Friends Forever. Maybe we need to inhabit the more fun-loving personas uh, of our West Coast friends. Weed Lord and Halfpipe. Let's freeform this a little bit. Oh, it's just taking a hit off of my gravity bomb there. <laughs> Surf's up. Surf's up. Let's talk about the two rules of We Heart Kids Club. Do you want to say those rules along with me? Hell yeah. All right. The first rule of We Heart Kids Club is... No rules, just right. No, it's, oh. it's regular meeting times. This is from the text. Okay. The first rule of We Heart Kids Club is regular meeting time. Regular meeting time. And the second rule of We Heart Kids Club is... Let's go out back tonight. Keep a record book. Oh. And that's it. Those are the two rules. 
Are we talking We Heart Kids Club or We Heart Kids Club Club? No, We Heart Kids Club. Actually, those should be the rules of We Heart Kids Club Club as well. Those are good fucking okay, rules. Okay, yeah. what was the first one? Regular meeting times. Oh, fuck. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Some of us wanted to regularly meet an hour ago, Jack. Uh, well, it's an hour ago here in Texas. And we're keeping an audio. Yeah record of this discussion yeah so half of us are, are maintaining both bylaws of the we heart kids club club one of us is maintaining half of the bylaws oh that'll do it's club club um, my name is weed lord my name Jack is half pipe half pipe this week we read dawn and whitney best friends forever yep that's close enough to the title of the book that you just read to uh to serve us for now is there Um, no forever on it i think there's no best um but let's not dwell on that uh you know what don also has a motto in this book that we could maybe apply to the we heart kids club club you want to hear it yep study hard work hard and be great babysitters Play hard, and don't forget to surf. Don't forget to surf, baby. <laughs> what do you think? It's bad for two reasons. Okay. Um, we're not babysitters. We're adult men. Mm-hmm. We live in areas that are not appropriate for surfing. Okay. You live in Austin, Texas, landlocked. Yeah. I live in New York, New York. Not landlocked, but I don't think a great surfing spot. Well, so if you take that stuff out, then it's just study hard, work hard, play hard. That's good. Yeah. Although we don't need to study either. I guess reading the text is studying. I study I study this text Do fairly you? extensively. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well. <laughs> I don't work hard either. I'll I'll be play hard. Okay. I'll do play hard and you do the other one. I do both study hard and work hard. And you'll do play hard? Not concerned with what you're doing. Okay. I'm focusing on... Playing hard. Playing hard. Okay. Great. What you do is up to you. Okay, I'm going to study hard and work hard. But I'm going to need you to play hard if we're going to get this thing done. Already doing it, man. Did okay. you hear me take a huge rip off that gravity bong earlier? Yeah, that was good Foley work. <laughs> yeah, it was Baby Nation. It was just beer in my mouth. <laughs> Still pretty bad. <laughs> I guess. I'm 33. <laughs> I'm allowed to drink. Tanner, <laughs> uh, this was a novel... In many ways, it was about the monsters who live among us. A lot of cruel and heartless people were introduced in this novel. A lot of new characters showing their true colors. Some pretty mm-hmm. unpleasant people in uh, Palos City, California. Um, but it was also a novel about the resilience and the empathy that holds our communities together. Uh, and it was nice to see both of those themes explored by... Uh, Noah Thacker. Yep. And Anne. 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 Um, should we, uh, now that we've whet the appetites of the baby nation, shall we? Let's talk about the books, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Okay. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things we, we can read. Nailed it. Let's talk about books. books. That's good. I love it. Okay. You want to describe the book? Uh, I want you to first. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get uh, right down to business. Yeah, you focus. You really focus in on describing this book well. Okay. Okay, but I'm gonna when I have this has taken a lot of study and is going to take a lot of work. So I'm gonna need uh-huh. you to play pretty hard. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 
All right. Um, uh, now I'm going to do a big, bad description of the book, and then I'm going to ask you to describe the book. How about that? Okay. <laughs> Did you take your... Wait, wait, hang tight. Hey, hey. Baby Nation, he's go- like, he's literally gone. He just fucking got up and left. I can hear him in the other room. I think he's talking to his wife. Well, Baby Nation, welcome to a new podcast starring just me, Jack Shepard. It's called Work Hard, Study Hard. Uh, it's a podcast in which I uh, basically do all of the work and all of the study um, around a different text every week. It's going to be a deep, critical analysis um, I'm going to bring in uh, some of the works of my favorite literary critics. We're going to bring in a lot of primary sources because I am a believer in focusing on the text, uh, but we're also going to bring in secondary sources where they apply. Um, we're going to start with some, probably some Marxist criticism. We're going to go through some of the faves. Uh, Walter Benjamin, of course, comes to mind. Uh, Louis Althusser, um, I think ideology and ideological state apparatuses. Oh, hey. Hey, uh, Tanner. Loved it, man. You're back, buddy. Loved the description. I thought you were gone. I started a... Um, very good. Very concise. Uh, I started a new... Go ahead and take the get the 60 seconds rolling, and we'll keep keep moving on, huh? Uh, I, well, keep on keeping on. Um, I'm going to describe this book. Oh, I, I thought I just heard you do that. There was a serious miscommunication. Just now, you just did it. No, I thought you left. No, I was here the whole time, just listening to you do your description of the book. No, you weren't, buddy. And you need to be here for me to describe it, all right? I'm going to begin now. You ready? Yeah, I've got a beer. I'm, I'm back. Okay, good. I'm going to describe I gave this. you ample time. Hey, listen, I'm going to describe this novel. Under the sultry furnace of the California sun, a friendship is forged between two women, Dawn and Whitney. It is a friendship that promises to be as strong and as resilient as the strongest steel, but first it must be tempered. And it must be tested. Its first test will be the test of truth. Can Dawn and Whitney trust each other when the lies that brought them together are exposed? Its second test will be the test of fear. Can Dawn and Whitney stay true and loyal when the world is united against them? And its final test will be the test of love. Can Dawn still love Whitney when Whitney fails her in her time of need? Under the sultry furnace of the California sun, a friendship is forged between two women, Dawn and Whitney. But will they be strong enough to bear its weight? Dawn and Whitney. Friends. Forever. (sighs) Heady stuff. So heavy, yes. Yeah. Powerful. So powerful. Okay, you need to just repeat what I'm saying. The few words of your own about uh, my description of praise will suffice before we move on. I thought it was heavy and powerful. Okay, great. I said heady. Yeah, no, I know. I'm not repeating you. (laughs) Okay, good. Thanks. Well, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You're welcome, man. I appreciate it. Yep. Heady stuff. Um, I work hard and I study hard here, and all I ask from you is that you, uh, you play hard. Play hard. All right. Well, how about you? Bong hit. Bong hit. Bong hit. <laughs> Sir, <Surf's> up. Um, <laughs> listen. How about you describe this fucking book, man? I feel like I'm doing all the heavy lifting here. 
Hey, I'm ready. Put me in, coach. Okay. I'm ready to play. I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock that I got here. I'm going to have you be, describe this I book. I could be at center field. Okay. I'm putting 60 seconds on this big bad clock. I want you to describe the book. John Fogarty. Nobody likes that. <laughs> Are you Nobody ready? Nobody likes the John Fogarty hit center field? That's not true. Nobody likes it when you say it while I'm trying to talk. You talk too much. <laughs> Fair. Um, <laughs> hey, guess what? Your time has started now. Um, okay, Baby Nation, we're back in California. Dawn and the We Heart Kids Club have a new... Uh, I won't say baby because she's not a baby, but she is a 12-year-old girl named Whitney who needs taking care of every morning while her parents are at work before her special summer camp starts uh, later in the summer. Dawn's on the task. She decides to devote a few weeks to Whitney. Whitney is a 12-year-old girl with Down syndrome who feels like she does not need a babysitter because she's 12 and she's self-sufficient and thinks like maybe she could be a babysitter. Uh, Dawn struggles with this and they decide that they're going to pretend Dawn is actually just a friend who's coming over to visit. Sunny, nope, what are the other one's names? Daffodil and Cranberry. Let's not get hung up because you only have 10 seconds. Uh, okay, um, and then the DeWitt, uh, Franklin DeWitt is marrying Mrs. Barrett. And time. Here's the thing that I would have said, Tanner. Oh, God, I just, I, I got so, I like started, I start, I got like halfway through the A plot, and then I panicked and switched to the B plot, and I didn't even give that a lot of time. Yeah. And then there's this whole C plot, too, where Don's dad is dating i think nola does a good job of weaving the a plot and the c plot together yeah so we can talk about that a little bit um jack schaefer is on the prowl yeah ladies jack schaefer is available he's dating anyone and everyone he meets a woman at the dentist he meets a woman at the laundromat. I'm not sure if he's doing this deliberately, but he brings home a succession of utterly horrifying women. Duds. Monsters. Dud city. One of them refers to Don and Jeff exclusively as the children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to their faces. Her name yeah. is her name is Clarice. Clarice. Clarice Dubina. Clarice Dubina we picked up Clarice and my heart sank when she slid into the car turned to look at Jeff and me sitting in the back seat and said so these are the children they're a great looking pair Shafe she calls Jack Schaefer Shafe I'm into that I really (laughs) like that yeah, that's actually pretty cool. She's a complex character because she's so weird and formal and refers to Don and Jeff as the children. Yeah. <laughs> but then she goes and calls Jack Shafe. Yeah, she's like way too casual with adults and excessively formal with children. Maybe she's two young children stacked top, <laughs> one on top of the other in like a trench coat. And she's just like being super formal with children to be like, see, I am not a child. <laughs> But she thinks that's how grown-ups talk to each other. Yeah. What's up, Shafe? What's up, Big Swig? So that's Clarice. The next nightmare woman that Jack brings home is Barbara Hinckley. The first warning sign is they go to, like, Captain Jack's Pirate Tavern of Fun. and She's dressed like Annie Lennox. (laughs) Yeah, she's dressed like Annie Lennox. 
Um, she's got like grease bag hair and like a pant, like a, not even a pantsuit, like a men's suit on. Yeah, she's wearing like a full men's suit. And uh, Jack and the girls show up California casual. Jack is wearing like right. khaki cutoffs. <laughs> At a place that serves dishes called, like, the Nard Blaster. (laughs) Six pounds of shrimp. Uh, Full stingray. So here's Barbara's opening salvo on her first date with Jack. The waitress shows up wearing a pirate hat, and she's like, Would you like to try the shoreline special? No. Plain broiled fish, lemon on the side, a small green salad, and a seltzer with lime. And, young lady, I will send it back if it is not as I asked for it. Fun day, Jack. <laughs> but also, like, the sh- the Schaefer's are like health nuts. Why are they at, like, Long John Silver's Nard Black? <laughs> They're- they should hate this food. It's like all deep fried fish. They're a family of contradictions. In fairness, like, Don criticizes Barbara for that, but then later goes to a baseball game and like brings her own like like avocado, avocado cutlet or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I can't remember the last one's name, but she's um a bad lady. The next one is Karina Whitaker. She's the bad one who like looks in disgust at Don's new friend Whitney. She's the bad one and she's the one who ties this plot together. She ties the C plot to the A plot in a device that Nola Thacker really nails um she shows up she seems really cool she seems like fun but uh, whitney is accompanying dawn to the picnic that they're on and as soon as whitney shows up karina shows her true colors like it's not even that karina's just like uncomfortable with whitney because she has down syndrome and she's like not quite sure how to handle herself around her like she hates people with Down syndrome. It's really gross. She hates people with Down syndrome, and she's, like, open and expressive. Like, at some point, Whitney gets up and dances because they're at a picnic, like, listening to, like, a jazz concert. Right. And <laughs> Karina, like, under her breath, but so everyone can hear it, just says to herself, that was disgusting. What a, what a bitter and angry person. I think this is the most horrifying person that has ever been introduced in these novels. Yeah, and, like, Anne once wrote a book with literal Nazis in it. Yeah. Like, Aryan <laughs> supremacist Nazis. Yeah, but they were kinder and more understanding than Karina Whitaker. <laughs> At least to, like, blonde-haired, blue-eyed people. I don't know what her, her motivation is. She's just villain. But also is, like, super chill and fun. Right up until Whitney shows up. I would love to get a sneak peek at Nola's character Bible for Karina Whitaker. Because you think she keeps them? I think she has to. This book, Anna set a new challenge for, she only puts her best writers on We Arts Kid Clubs stuff so far. Yeah, it's just been Pete and Nola, right? Yeah, you haven't seen Jonna and Malcolm getting the keys to one of these. I think Suzanne Wayne could do a good job. I think so, but it seems like right for now, for WHKC books, and is deploying her best and brightest. Right. So I'm sure Nola keeps a character Bible. Because it, it's difficult. Because there's like, there's a new character at, at every turn. Yeah. And like, if your old characters are people like Jack and Maggie. I think Nola's particularly good at these ensemble casts. Yeah. Wow, there's just a lot going on in this book. She's good at, at um, making snapshot portraits of these characters. Yeah. Um. So, we're going to get to the romantic ending, because this book has basically everything. 
Shakespearean. It's all over the fucking shop. This is shop. a Shakespearean comedy. Yeah. Like all good Shakespearean comedies, it ends in a marriage. Right. Um, but along the way, there is a lot of devastation. Um, and a lot of very difficult themes are tackled. Um, so th- these are some of the the monsters that we're introduced to. Uh, we also got another appearance of I don't know what we're calling them veil veil walkers, right? Like the the, the people veil from, walkers is pretty good. Yeah, I think that's penetrators. <laughs> that's a little on the nose. <laughs> um. <laughs> what I mean is they penetrate the veil of reality. Yeah. I think Veil Walkers yeah. is good. Um, it's alternate universes, right? It's world steppers in a way. It's barrier breakers. It's the people who exist inside this liminal space. Right. I am very excited to talk about that. Yeah. But first, I need to go to the bathroom. It's so bad. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to hit pause in that case and maybe grab myself a beer. Let's grab a beer and go to the bathroom. Jack. Yeah. A veil walker has penetrated our plane. Is that a veil walker? A sea striding towards me in the middle distance? In the <sighs> boundaries between our worlds? Surrounded by the mists that follow him from the space between. Once the boundary has been breached, there's no going back. The chasm between our worlds is getting smaller. And the first to cross are always the veil walkers but what will come next now you raise an interesting point here yeah before we get into the veil walker in question yeah are you and i capable of transversing the planes i mean i think we'll only know that if we see ourselves explicitly mentioned in these texts and the only mention i can think of off the top of my head and it's not clear enough to clearly be about us it could be about um 90s R&B group Boys to Men uh-huh. is when Anna Martin dedicates a book, This One's for the Boys. Right, right, right. I can't remember which book it was, but that dedication, I felt to me like it was about us, but it could have been about... I guess I was just hoping that like... The Boys to Men. Walking the Veils would mean... It would be more experiential. Like, I would know Stony Brook. right. It's a good question, and if we ever have to reveal who we're going to talk about here, if we ever have Keanu on the podcast, right? I would love to. I think we, I think we can and should, right? But that's going to be the first thing that I would ask him: is Do you remember anything? If any of you knows Keanu, yeah, we would love to have him on the show, not because of his status as a celebrity. No, not at all. We are both like Maggie Bloom of the We Heart Kids Club in this regard. Celebrities are meaningless to us. But if you know any celebrities, please do um, introduce them to our podcast. And especially if they're veil walkers. Yeah, especially. We're only about halfway through this canon. Yeah. There could be other veil walkers. We're not sure yet. But Keanu Reeves is a known veil walker, and I would just love to pick his brain about Palo City. Yeah. Maybe he's been to Stony Brook. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, is Sunny really as cool as she seems, you know? Is Jill as blah as she seems? (laughs) Yeah. Does Jill ever say anything, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) We got a little more backstory on Jill this week. Nola, 
cracked open the character Bible this week. Oh, really? I'm interested to talk about that, but I feel like we've been teasing Baby Nation a little too long here uh, on the Keanu situation. Shall I read the passage in question? Yep. So, uh, for new listeners, it has basically never happened in these novels before that someone from our world crosses into the world, the parallel universe of Stony Brook or Palo City. But in the last We Heart Kids Club book, that seal was broken, and a brave warrior from our world crossed over the plains. Uh, and that warrior was Keanu Reeves. Um, and Keanu's back in this book, and this is the relevant passage. Whitney laughed too. Then she squatted and pulled a stack of magazines out from the bottom of her bookshelf. What's that? I asked. Magazines, my mother's, explained Whitney. I sat down on the floor, and Whitney straightened her legs out slowly and sat next to me. She opened the magazines and pointed to a picture of Keanu Reeves. He's cute. Yeah, I agreed. Very. You think he's cute? Yeah, but I like him better. I pointed to the photo of another star. Whitney studied him seriously. Then she said, no, I like Keanu better. Well, I like what he's wearing better, I said. Whitney nodded and turned the page. She studied the picture for a moment and then said, he has earrings, too. So, the reason I read further on in this passage, Tanner, is that I think it is not by accident that Keanu is mentioned in the same breath as the discussion that occurs in this novel about what we know to be symbols of great power in the sitter's cycle. Earrings. Oh, sure. Right? Baby Nation, if you haven't gone back and started at the beginning of this podcast, shame on you. Second point, earrings are a sign of power. They're a sign of hierarchy. Mm -hmm. They're a sign of maturity. All the young women in Stony Brook seem to get earrings when they have reached adolescence. Right. Um, the characters who have sort of lagged behind the rest, the Christies of the world, have not had their ears pierced yet. But the Dawns... The Whitneys... ...have many, many piercings. Too many to count. Right. The more California casual you are, the right. more piercings you have. Yeah. And Whitney's first interaction with Dawn, she notices Dawn's earrings. Um, that's literally the first thing she sees because she knows exactly what matters. And uh, she looks at Dawn and counts her earrings. Uh, you have four earrings, Dawn. I want four earrings. You have to earn that, Whitney. Yeah, you can't just... <laughs> you can't just have four earrings. Yeah, and this is a novel that, that... And we can get into this after we've finished discussing Keanu, but this is a novel that is very much about the tension that is in some ways the central tension of the sitter cycle, which is the tension between being a sitter and being the sat. Um, and Whitney, like Keanu, exists in that liminal space between the worlds, right? Right. She's almost a sitter... But she's also sat. She's a mature young woman. Yeah. But she's suffering from Down syndrome, and her parents don't quite trust her to experience the world right. as Dawn experiences it right. quite yet. As a sitter. As a sitter. Which leads to hijinks. Uh, but Keanu's back. It sounds like Keanu is really part of the canon here. I mean, this is the second mention. This is the second mention. He's the second Veilwalker we're aware of. He's the first Veilwalker of two that we're aware of. 
Right. The second being Johnny Depp, who we believe just kind of haplessly followed Keanu across the world. Right. Well, and much like Keanu in this book, Johnny is only dealt with as like a sex symbol for magazines. Yeah. So it could be that like whatever Vortex opened up to allow Keanu through, like maybe a teen bop magazine got pulled through as well. Well, it sounds to me, Tanner, like you and I need to get our hands on some teeny bopper magazines. I don't think that's necessary. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the lesson you drew from this? I mean, maybe I'll go to eBay and see if I can find teeny bopper magazines from 1993. I think if we want, if we're seriously committed to crossing the veil between worlds, that's how it happens. That's how Keanu did it, right? Yeah. He starts off as an idea in this other world through this most powerful medium there is, right? Right. The Teeny Bopper magazine. And then that idea is made flesh, and that's how he walks through it. I don't think it's the magazine. Okay. I think it's the mind of Nola and Anne. I think we need to get on Nola, Thacker, and Anne M. Martins. Right. We need to to pour our brain batter into their brains and make a brain baby, and that's how we penetrate the veil. That brain baby would straddle this world. A lot of very sexually potent <laughs> language happening here right now. <laughs> a lot of difficult energy swirling through this Skype call. Well, that's that's how it goes sometimes, you know? And Nola, apologies. Yeah. <laughs> well, also apologies to uh, Suzanne Wayne. Uh, from a couple of uh, Waniacs here who just got followed on Twitter uh, by, oh, yeah. by Suze- the great Suzanne I wonder Wayne. if Nola's on. We're going to have to investigate if Nola's on and get a, a follow from her, too. Yeah. Because that's step one. Yeah. Get on Nola's radar. I think that's the answer. I wonder how much it would cost. And Baby mm-hmm. Nation, you can help us with this. We'll start a Kickstarter. Yeah. How much it would cost to get all of the... BSC Ghostwriters. The League of Extraordinary Ghostwriters. Get him back in the writer's room again for just one last glorious go. Oh, my God. And we're there. We're there. We're just... I don't even think we're really, like... Our titles would be creative director, but we wouldn't really be doing much. We would just be there basking in the glow. We would be like Whitney in this book. Honorary members. But we're just sitting there. We're just drinking it all in. Yeah. We're watching Pete and Nola and... Suzanne. Just mixing their brain batter together. Guess we'll invite Jana. Yeah, Jana, Jana and Malcolm would be there. I just want to see what they're like. I want to yeah. kind of bear witness to that thing that they are. Just making a, a group brain oh. baby. And we'll insist that we're in it. Oh, yeah. Oh, it'll be about babysitting your new... Oh, yeah. Offspring. My new offspring, which is coming. Something is coming, Baby Nation. <laughs> <laughs> um hey do you want to you want to talk about uh the cover of this book tanner when heaven and hell decide I'll swallow you into the dark. And I said, uh, uh, swallow me down. 
Uh, uh, uh. That's that loving sound. Did you scope the cover of the book this week, Jack? Uh, yeah, I did. I was just going to say, I'm hoping that we're going to use the awesome Swallow Me Down soundtrack that was made for us by, by Baby B. Karras. <laughs> Baby B. Karras. She didn't actually make a Swallow Me Down soundtrack she made swallow me into the dark <laughs> well <laughs> but if can... a baby b if an eligible baby b out there wants to do the sublime half of our theme song <laughs> it's a very complicated theme song for our hit segment in which we discuss the, the cover art of edge case <laughs> <laughs> a criminally insane <laughs> <laughs> dangerous babysitters club art director hodges swallow hodges would be there too yeah <laughs> he'd be in the room too with us oh he's definitely in that writer's room yeah um all right i'm excited about this segment so this is a segment where we discuss hodges swallows uh beautiful and insane covers for these books um right. i'm excited about the segment today because i forgot to look at it so i'll preface this by saying that often the point of Swallow Me Down, this segment, yeah, is that Hodges depicts something in the cover art that has not happened in the book. But this this is plausible. The cover this week is plausible. This is fucking terrifying. So Dawn is, is babysitting Whitney, but she's trying not to... The agreement Dawn has made with Whitney's parents is that she is not a babysitter. We're going to pay you as a babysitter. Right. You will be babysitting, but you must present yourself as a friend. And that, if you'll remember back to my beautiful description, is the first test of their friendship. Right. The test of truth. Whitney insists that she's old enough and can kind of take care of herself and is like potentially even old enough to start babysitting on her own, which she does by the end of this book. Right. But one of the first babysitting appointments Dawn has with Whitney, they go to the Palo City Mall where... Whitney gets like temporary stick on earrings and they go shopping. And that is what Hodges has depicted on this cover. In a way. In a way. Whitney and Dawn seem to be standing outside of like some kind of weird art shop or like pawn shop or something. It's like one of those shops that like seems like it doesn't exist in this space and time. No, this is not a shop that exists in our space. Yeah, take the shop out of the picture, and it's a pretty normal picture. Dawn and Whitney are walking along a normal California street. Um, They're both dressed in a very California casual style, uh, and they're smiling and laughing at each other. Uh, They're both holding bags from their previous shopping expedition, and they're smiling as as if uh, they've just shared a joke as Whitney points towards this shop full of creepy dolls. Well, it's significant, Jack. (laughs) She's she's just – there's a lot happening in this shop window. Yeah, Whitney is is gesturing towards a doll. Yeah. One of many. One of many. The dolls are not smiling. The dolls are not sharing in this joke. They're looking with haunted eyes out into the world of Palo City. There are many, many dolls. And the one that Whitney is likely pointing at Mm -hmm. is particularly upsetting because it has an extra joint in its legs. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do you see that? Yeah. So it's got its hip joints. Oh, and, and look at it's got ankles and knees, but between the hip and the <laughs> knees uh-huh. is a joint that goes the wrong way. 
Yeah, it's it's sometimes my arms bend back. Its legs are bent the wrong way. It looks like the bottom half of its body has been twisted all the way around. Right. Given an extra joint and then bent back the wrong way. Right. And it doesn't look thrilled that this is happening to it. No, it looks it looks very agitated. Next to the doll is is an item of significance as well but on the other side of that item is oh several God. more dolls and they all look upset can we please talk about the item that's next to the doll sure but between between the dolls yeah in the middle of nestled between all of the dolls mm-hmm. is a lantern yeah a vessel for containing fire. fire fire which seems to have reached as far now as palo city fire which ends these novels these books end in fire. Right. And which was finally brought in after a long period of waiting as the boundaries between all of the worlds, between all of the universes, begin to break down in the Sitter cycle. Fire, which was introduced in this Promethean way into this series in the novel Christine the Copycat, uh, where the fire is used to burn down a shed. Right. But then, Jack, I want to draw it. So the rest of the window is taken up by largely by art prints. But I want to draw your attention right up to sort of the the top center of the display. Yeah. Can you make out what that is? It's kind of difficult to see. It looks to me like some kind of a crystalline ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got it's got a certain hue to it, maybe. The rest of the window is kind of warm tones, oranges and reds. This is more of a cool tone. It's it's like mauve. It's a little bit of a mauve, yeah. Would you say mauve or mauve? <laughs> I would say mauve. Okay. Maybe some might say purplish. A little bit of a purplish hue. tint. It might just be picking Whitney's wearing a bright green and purple yeah. striped shirt. So it may just be might be picking up a little that. bit of the purples of that. But it's yeah. definitely a purple orb. <laughs> Let's not beat around the bush here. It, there's a purple orb. <laughs> this cover is so potent imagery <laughs> there's dolls one of them is this warped perversion yeah there's a lantern the container of the flame oh my god all of the art frankly looks like artistic depictions of fire by the way and there's a tapestry in the middle i can't make out anything that's on that tapestry it looks like fire it looks like fire so it's a tapestry and the writing on the tapestry is fire <laughs> And then at the top center of the, above it all, yeah, is an orb. Is a sentient purple orb. What I love about this is that in an effort to rein Hodges in, in the writer's room this week, Nola, Pete, Suzanne, the entity, and Anne <laughs> were like, Hodges, we're staging an intervention. We're going to tell you what you need to do just keep it simple these are books for teen girls right don't go crazy with this prophetic shit you know we put this in the books but let's not go bananas on the covers we still need to get like moms to buy this right when they go to their local bookstore so just draw a picture of dawn and whitney friends forever after their trip to the shopping mall they've got to be carrying shopping bags they're going to be walking past a store in palo city we don't care what store it is but you just got to follow all those rules. Right. And Hodges, all Hodges heard was, 
we don't care what store it is. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, okay, great. I'm going to make it the store where they sell fucked up dolls and orbs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Can it be a doll orb and, and fire, fire store? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, yeah, it's going to be one of those stores where they sell a tapestry of fire riding. (laughs) (laughs) It's as if uh, an artist looked into the elemental plane of fire and just captured what he saw. (laughs) I love you, Hodges. Hodges, never change, my man. (laughs) Never change. Uh, a lot of lore there, Baby Nation. Hopefully you're up to speed. Yeah. Jack, do you have any other <laughs> items of lore that need to be taken care of this week? <laughs> I've only got one thing, but this is something that I want you to speak to, my man. It's a little line in the B-plot, which is about the DeWitt family and the Barrett family. Back in Stony Brook, they go on a picnic, and uh, Nola and Anne have seen fit to pen this scene. It's not a picnic. It's not a picnic. Oh, it's a smorgaspic. 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 Do you want to explain what that is? It's a smorgasbord picnic. Yeah, good. That was a very concise explanation. I don't think we need to delve much deeper into that. But uh, hey, this is from the text, Baby Nation. It's a what Nola describes as a smorgaspic. I didn't love it. It could have been worse. I didn't love it either. I feel like there's a better portmanteau we can pull out of there. Okay. Smorgasbord picnic. Uh, Nick board. Bet. Worse. Uh, Smorknick. Smornick. Smorg. Smorgasnick. Smorpick. Pick Snorgasnick. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Maybe she was right. Yeah, maybe, maybe Nola was right. Um, you know, leave the leave the writing to the writers. You know, not all brain babies come out looking great, you know? Some of them you have to build labyrinths for. <laughs> Let's put that one in the in the labyrinth. Um, <laughs> but here's what's happened as they are preparing for this smorgaspic. Yes. Hands off, said Lindsay DeWitt, as Brian reached in and grabbed the ketchup and the pickles and tuna salad and passed them back to Lindsay, who set them on the table. Bread! cried Taylor (laughs) as he emerged from the pantry holding a loaf of whole wheat bread aloft in his arms. Tanner, do you have anything you'd like to say about that? (laughs) So much to say. God, I wish we would have gotten this sooner in the episode. (laughs) I feel like we're too far in now. We can't like really delve into this as much as I, I really want to. Oh, so you feel like you're ready to reveal more about the theory known as no, bread theory to the baby nation. I'm ready, and I've been ready, and I'm excited to do it. Yeah. But we're so far into this episode, I just I need some I need some runway here, and you're just not giving me a lot. I feel like if we would have gotten to this like forty five minutes ago. You're bursting with information. I think we should just do a whole spin off podcast, honestly. Okay. The Bread Boys? We'll do another podcast called The Bread Boys, and we just talk about the significance of bread and bread theory. Baby Nation, bread theory is a theory we have where um, it's all bread. I would say, can I just say, I think it's a it's a theory you have. No, it's Jack and I are both, I mean, you brought it up this week. Right. I slow pitched it to you. So, Jack's into it. I'm the scully here. Yeah. And you're the molder. A little bit. Of bread but theory. But, like, scully kind of believes, like, she goes along with okay, it. Okay, so what's the theory? So... 
bread theory is the the theory is that it's all bread. Um, mm. This is another piece of the puzzle, a pretty right. significant piece of the puzzle. I feel like there's a lot to unpack here, and I'd love to unpack it. But we just we just don't have time. We just ran out of time. Nation. We're just gonna have to do it some other time. But keep this. Put a pin in this baby nation. I think it's significant. Yeah. Bread. Shouted Taylor. Yeah. It is. I'm gonna admit in a book that is about two women in California who become friends. Right. It's weird to suddenly cut to a scene in Connecticut where a boy walks out of Screams a room bread. shouting bread. Yeah. We now bring you to someone shouting bread. No, it's significant. It's significant. And I would really love to get into all the reasons why it's significant, but we just, God, we just don't have time. Holding an entire loaf aloft. I want to believe, Not this Tanner. week. I want Not to believe. Week. Well, um, can I ask you another question in that case? Yeah. Um, did you... Uh, this? <laughs> What's going on, man? Are you having an asthma attack? <coughs> I'm okay. <coughs> You're all right? Yep. Okay, because I wanted to ask you a question, but I'm not going to like give you the Spanish Inquisition here if you're if you're having trouble breathing. We should probably stop. No, I'm good. Talking. I'm good. I'm you're good. Okay. I'm good. Okay, what I, cause what I wanted to ask you is, did you this week have a... <gasps> Burn of the week! Did you? Yeah, I did. Good, hit me. You just want me to do it. Yeah, man. We don't stand on ceremony here. No fuss, no muss. Surf's up, baby. Okay, so often, and I by often I mean always, our burns of the week are these really good... What the hell just happened? Is your wife okay? Uh, it sounds like the cat knocked something over in the kitchen. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to ignore it. <laughs> um... Oftentimes the burns of the week are fun. They're just like funny jokes yeah. and funny pranks the characters pull on one another. This week's burn is not fun or funny. It's just mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an awful thing to do to another human being. Yeah. This is one of Jack Schaefer's many dates, Clarice. The the child upon a child who's acting as though she's not a child. Yeah. They go on their bad date, and they're driving home, and they pass the mall. Um, poor Clarice. She must have felt awful. She was quiet all the way to the car and almost all the way home. I was actually feeling sorry for her until, as we passed the mall, she sat up and said, You know, Don, we should go shopping together. <laughs> uh, sure, I said. And soon, Clarice went on, for those... Things that just us girls can shop for. Uh, I said, Shafe, I don't know what you were thinking of letting Dawn go to buy a bra on her own. It clearly isn't the proper fit. You need a woman's touch with that sort of thing. I was mortified. Ooh, Dawn, said Jeff. I gave him such a fierce look that he stopped. Oh, sorry. He muttered. <laughs> like, Jeff was even prepared for this to be like a rich burn. Yeah. But it was just such a weird and embarrassing thing to say that even Jeff was like, oh, no, I recognize that this is bad. <laughs> so Don is 13. It is an insane thing to say to a person you have just met. Your bra is ill-fitting. <laughs> Oh, God. It, like, hurts me. It hurts me to think about. 
Well, and then immediately Jack Schaefer's like, no, I think she does okay. Um, she's good. She's an adult lady, which further lends itself to the theory that Clarice is two children stacked on top of each other. Because, <laughs> like, Dawn and Jack are like, yeah, no, it seems fine. Yeah. But she's like, no, her brazier <laughs> fits poorly? <laughs> Good, good burn. I wrote that down as my number one burn as well, Tanner. Tough. It's a tough burn. It's hard to hear. It's hard, it's hard to, to hear. get through. Um, the only other burns in this book are from this B plot. Um, when yeah, the Dewitts and the and the Barretts exchange some pretty good barbs. Uh, the Barretts decide to Dewitt proof the entire house. Right. Um, and they pull some fairly choice pranks. Uh, the best of which is rubbing vaseline on the doorknob of the bathroom yep which Very i think good. kind of everyone proofs the house a little bit but the dewitts fall prey to it pretty badly right um all of these insults being traded back and forth between the barretts and the dewitts this week baby nation ends in matrimony it ends in matrimony and that. The DeWitt children are forced to marry the Barrett children. Yeah, but that's not the matrimony I'm interested in. The matrimony that I'm interested in, Tanner, is this week my. Tearful, <gasps> <gasps> tearful moment. I feel like you didn't clarify, because I made a joke about the children being forced to marry off. Yeah. And you didn't clarify. You just moved on. Okay. The children don't marry each other. Mrs. Barrett uh, gets engaged to Franklin Duet. Yeah, but we saw that coming for a long time. Right. It's a handsome architect. But not all, this is a Shakespearean novel, but it's double Shakespearean. Oh, wait. You know what you did? Here's how you're a veil walker, my man. I, in my lore for this book, and I imagine anyone who's been listening along, uh-huh. Franklin Duet is a handsome architect, right? Yeah. That's lore. Yeah. I think that we only think that because uh, one time you said that Franklin DeWitt sounds like an architect's <laughs> name. <laughs> Wait, is he not? I don't think it's been established. I just made that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know Mrs. Barrett is a beautiful lady of the night. Yeah. Right. So I imagine <laughs> that Franklin DeWitt is at least handsome, and he's got a good, strong architect's name. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's a ma- that's a matrimony that happens. The first matrimony. The second matrimony is my tearful moment. It's mine too, by the way, Baby Nation. So I'm just going to let Jack read for the both of us. I wrote this down as the tearfulest moment. This is like, I wrote down a few tearful moments in this book because there were some very moving moments. Like, the fr- we d- haven't delved into it this much, but the friendship between Dawn and Whitney is very powerful. But tense, but tense. But tense. Because it comes out, Baby Nation, Yeah, that Dawn accidentally reveals the secret that she's a babysitter and not a friend. But they have become friends by this point. And Whitney is upset. She kidnaps two children. It's pretty. The cops are called. This is (laughs) the cops are called. Nola really packs it in at the end. (laughs) It ends with this like kidnapping heist. Yeah. Uh, Whitney, in an attempt to prove that she is a good babysitter, takes Sonny's brother and sister on a babysitting adventure. And right, Dawn freaks out and calls the cops. Everything is resolved. It do- it's Dawn a- and Whitney are good friends, but it's a tense relationship. Um, but so the, the the friendship between Dawn and Whitney is genuinely moving. But it is trumped for me by what happens with Jack and Carol. 
whom, Tanner, I, and I hope I'm using this millennial terminology correctly, ship. Okay. Well, so does Nola and Anne, because they get married at the end of the book. Well, they get engaged. Yeah. Um, Not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so Carol, Baby Nation, if you'll remember, was affianced yep. to Jack Schaefer uh, in our last We Heart Kids Club book. Uh, but Dawn uh, committed uh, seppuku, uh, tr- trans-American crimes. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Forcing their split. In order to force uh, the dissolution of their engagement. Right. Um, and Jack, in what I think may have been a deliberately planned maneuver here, dates so many awful women that by the end of this book, Jeff and Don long for the heady days of Carol. Right. Um, and here's what I wrote down as my tearfulest moment. Dad asks Carol back after presumably months. And the last they spoke to each other, Carol had thrown her engagement ring onto the floor. Um, Carol comes over for dinner. She doesn't really know what to expect. When the meal was over and we brought out our dessert and coffee and more milk for Jeff and raspberry seltzer for me. I don't know why I'm reading that in my like mournful tones. It's just like, it's like describing, it's describing their meal. When the meal was over, dad cleared his throat. As you know, this is a very special occasion. We have a special guest here. She's been here before, so I don't need to introduce her. Uh, is it Carol? <laughs> My brother, the wit, asked. Give the boy in the striped shirt the prize, I said. Be quiet, Jeff. Grinning, Jeff rolled his eyes at me. Carol saw him and smiled. But we don't want to think of Carol as a special guest anymore. Dad stopped and suddenly sounded a lot less formal and a lot more nervous. So, he said. Go on, Dad, you can do it, urged Jeff. Jeff, I said. Just say it! Jeff jumped out of his chair, threw himself on one knee, and spread his arms out. Carol, will you marry me? He said, and clasped his hands over his heart and fell backward. Carol laughed and leaned forward to help Jeff up. Then she stopped and gasped. She turned to my dad, and her face grew bright pink. Is Jeff... She began and stopped. She tried again. Did you... She stopped once more. Dad! I said. Dad's face was as pink as Carol's. If you say yes, he said, you'll be saying yes to me and to these two here as well. I wanted us to be in this together. The way you read it made it sound like a threat. (laughs) If you say yes, if you say (laughs) yes, I thought it was fucking beautiful. No, it's good. You, if you marry me, you're I, like I legit teared up at this. I did too. And then later on, like Jack Schaefer looks to his kids for approval. Yeah. Oh wait, this is actually before he proposes. Yeah. As Jeff disappeared in the direction of the kitchen, and I looked at my dad, he was smiling. He looked relaxed and happy and pleased with himself. And suddenly, I was happy and pleased too. I think it would be great, Dad. You and Carol. I think so, too. I think so, too. I'm genuinely happy for them. She's not two children sitting on top of one another. Which is a huge strike against. She doesn't hate developmentally disabled people. Yep. 
She's not Annie Lennox. Right. In the Walking on Broken Glass music video. Mm-hmm. That's how I chose Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the only way I can finish. She ticks off all of those boxes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I think I could finish to the uh, Walking on Broken Glass video. <laughs> Jack, cut that out. Let's Whoever's get editing this, the fuck out of here. <laughs> Before you say anything else, <laughs> disgusting. Uh, it's obviously time to get. That's hey, baby nation. Some brain babies are beautiful. <laughs> Some brain babies come out weird, <laughs> and that's all we have this week. Um, baby nation. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your wonderful uh, reviews on iTunes. We really appreciate them, and please keep them coming. It helps us uh, to get noticed in the iTunes rankings, and I like to read them. And Baby Nation, if you know anyone who would like to listen to this show, please share it with them, especially if it is actor Keanu Reeves. Um, or any celebrities. We love celebrities. Yep. We're happy yeah. for anyone to listen. Yeah. Um, Baby Nation, this week... We read a book that was called Dawn and Whitney. Whitney. Dong and Whitney. (laughs) I say Dawn. It's spelled Dong. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. It's actually not. Oh, yeah. I've been misreading it this whole time. Oh, it is Dawn. It's Dawn. D-A-W-N. Dawn. Dawn and Whitney, Friends Forever. Next week, we're reading a book called Claudia and Crazy Peaches. Ooh. <laughs> Aunt Peaches. We finally get to meet Peaches. Yeah. I cannot fucking I wait. I feel like we haven't heard from Aunt Peaches in like, I don't know, 40 books? Yeah. We haven't seen Aunt Peaches since Mimi died. Oh, God. Sorry. I had to bring me right down. Since the event. The event. We haven't heard about Peaches since the event. Um, next week we're reading a book called Claudia and Crazy Peaches. I'm genuinely looking forward to it, especially since Claudia is really uh, moving up on my little bulletin board that I have here of favorite babysitters. Yeah, me too. It's moving up the rankings. Yep. Um, this week, Baby Nation, I have been Jack Shepard. And I'm Tanner Greenring. Come on, man. You're not even fucking trying. I don't want to try. I don't buy into your game, man. This week? I'm not a cheap. This week? Claudia's wearing a bra now. The way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. Tanner's sending me hearts over Skype. That's very sweet. Is that support? Oh, no, he's written written ass. Can't wait to see what he writes next. Let me guess. I think it's going to be ass. Oh, it's ass, ass, ass. (laughs) Great. Another classic visual gag (laughs) Uh, on our multimedia podcast, by which I mean it's only an audio medium. Ass, 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 my man. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>